iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti. And this week on the panel, I'm joined by Paddy Barkley, Stuart Robson, and the man who's been out with England. It's from the M to the A to the T to the T to the H to the U to the G to the H to the E to the S, Mr. Matt Hughes. This week we're going to be looking at England as the new generation show a bit of promise by winning 3-0 in Bulgaria. We'll have our usual and much beloved quick hits feature and in our debate we'll be taking a look at the transfer window. So please stick with us for the next 35 minutes or so. All right, let's kick it off with England's 3-0 win in Bulgaria. Matt, I want to start with you. Uh, Very simple. Uh, Is there something about... Bulgarians that like England is kind of like their their kryptonite and they always get pummeled when uh, they play those guys in the three line shirts. Well, I think that something about like Bulgaria is that a we're not very good and b we tend to play them in September when England are good, are fresh, lots of energy, and generally perform pretty well. If the World Cup could be played in September and October, I think we do pretty well. Sadly, it'll be you know the Euros will be in June next year when we'll be knackered, bored on a holiday and we'll probably uh, stink out the place as usual. Actually, that's an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about that. I don't know if anybody's gone out and sort of uh, um, done any statistical analysis about England's results in September and whether they're always better. But, hey, hey, Paddy, Stuart, either you guys noticed this pattern or? Yeah, they worked out before that uh, the best England's best results were October. Uh, September, actually, it's difficult to compare because September used to be the first international of the season. England traditionally did badly in that but of course now that the, the friendlies in August and the first competitive matches in September, September is the new October. Yeah, my involvement was uh, in the first game of the first international of the season that never went very well so I, I can't quite, <laughs> quite see that uh, September was the golden uh, golden time for English football. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk actual football we shot on the pitch. Um, it was a good result from the uh, much criticized ogre who uh, gets paid a lot of money to uh, to to manage uh, manage England mm. um, did, did you see positives do you think he did a good uh, a good job well, is that, is you, yeah you can see positives there was more energy in the side uh, you've got to remember it's against Bulgaria and England haven't had too many problems in the qualifiers apart from when Steve McLaren was the manager and Bulgaria didn't really cause any problems but or Graham Taylor and Graham Taylor but the two midfield players did a, an okay job but do you think Scott Parker and Gareth Barry are going <laughs> to win you the World Cup I don't think they are do you, you know I, I just can't see that happening they're, they're good players against average opposition 
But we saw Gareth Barry against Germany when Ozil runs past him. He's not athletic enough to be a top world-class player. Mm. Matt, um, I remember France winning a World Cup with somebody named Stéphane Givarch up front. Uh, uh, did you care to stick up for your beloved England since you're notoriously such a big England fan? Uh, I have to say, I tend to agree with Stuart. There's a lot of eulogies for Scott Parker on on Saturday morning and you know the reigning player of the year. And I must say, I just do not see it. Even against Bulgaria in the first 10 minutes, he gave away several free kicks, was booked against a good team. He doesn't make half-time. He flies into so many rush challenges. He, he, he means well. He works very, very hard. No one would question him with that, but he just hasn't got the, the pace and dexterity to cope with decent opposition. And I think he might get a bit found out playing for Spurs this year, never mind for England. I think that, uh, yeah, I agree with Matt. Uh, I mean, agree with, with both of the boys. I think Parker's uh, performance rather reflected the fact that he had a good second half when uh, the game was over and uh, I mean a lot of fans were coming up and raving about him as, as we were waiting for the um, plane home and I had to say if you switch the two halves you'd be moaning to me about Parker because you'd be saying he was terrible because mm. he had such a poor first half um, I mean the first 10 minutes alone was so alarming that Rooney uh, ran 40 yards back since play, to play in midfield and buttress the place up mm. because uh, Barry and uh, Parker were being rushed into terrible balls forward and a huge gap was uh, appearing between the, the back and the front. Rooney came back, plugged it and the game was just totally transformed. Mm. I think if you took away Rooney, it wouldn't have looked so good. But having said that, I thought the Ashley Young-Rooney combination was uh, very attractive. I couldn't understand why so many critics didn't think it worked but of course it won't be able to work in that way uh, as, as Stuart says if, if this had been playing a, a better team you know they would, it would have never panned out the way it did you guys are so incredibly negative I mean I, I you know well, I, 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 I see Parker and Barry you know what hey they are what they are, okay? But when Steven Gerrard comes back, one of those guys will just disappear. Well, and then you'll have Steven Gerrard won't come back. I mean, I hope he won't come back. I mean, the point is you can't keep. I mean, what on earth are we talking about? Are they, are they going to bring back Billy Wright, um, Alan Shearer? I mean, I can't understand the fuss about Lampard. I mean, to drop uh, a box-to-box midfield player after his 33rd birthday, seems to me the bleeding obvious. And yet it's been treated as if this was a, uh, a sort of breach of human rights by Capello. <laughs> and I also think Steven Gerrard, what, he's an explosive midfield player who's probably not going to get his explosiveness back. Therefore, he too will have to go soon. It's not as if we're short of options. One thing that also worries me is that I see Theo Walcott week in, week out. Yeah. Now, He's got no technical ability, or very little technical ability. He's got no game understanding, yet he still gets picked for England. You know, and, and uh, quite often when I watch him play for Arsenal, he's lucky to be to be out in the in the Arsenal team. You know, there's there's so many better technical players than than Theo Walcott. How he's playing for England, I would never know. Mm-hmm. So, where, who, who would you have as a winger uh, for England? Well, you, uh, Stuart Downing on one side and Ashley Young on the other side. That's that, exactly what I would think. I think Stuart's right, and that's what will happen. I think Gerard will probably come back and play in a withdrawn role off Wayne Rooney with maybe two from three of Young, Downing and Walker on the flanks. And that's the way you get Stephen Gerrard into the team. It's the role he flourished in the year before last behind Torres at Liverpool. It's It gives him some bit of freedom, and it also gives Rooney a bit of physical support up there, which... Young can't really provide so I think that probably is, is the way of getting him back into the team still no. leaves an issue with Frank Lampard but 
he will. I still think Harry in the squad. He'll get games. Um, Wilshire is Wilshire has one of the two holding roles, and then it's one from Lampard, Parker, and Barry. To me, they're much of a muchness because they're all thirty plus. Haven't got any legs. Mm-hmm. If you do, if you set the team up like that, of course, I mean, Wilshire, there's no way Wilshire's going to settle for that. I mean, at the moment, for what? Wilshire. Oh, sorry, he's uh, 19 years old. He's 19. Do no, no, but, <laughs> what do you mean, sorry? I'm sorry. What, what, what there's what I'm no way Wilshire will say. Well, this kid's a teenager. The, he won't settle for a starting it's, spot it's, with England? It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Uh, to, it would be ludicrous to go to a major tournament with Wilshire in a holding role. And uh, Gerard, who, in my opinion, if he does have a future, it, w- it would be in a holding role. Because uh, he's not a bad tackler. What they'll do, Paddy, they'll have an ever-rotating midfield three with Wayne oh, Rooney yeah. dropping <laughs> yeah, off yeah, the front. Yeah. And well, the two, sure. well, that, well, that's what Wilshere does for Arsenal. He's, he, he actually starts in a holding midfield role with Song, next yeah. to Song. But and then he just there. No, that's but the they rotate point. all around. And that's the good teams I mean, are able to Iniesta, rotate. And Iniesta would just be licking his lips at that. I don't think you... I mean, the holding role has been good for Wilshere in terms of learning mm. the game. Uh, it's been excellent in his development and the typical Wenger management, I think. But the football teams of the world will love it in uh, Poland, Ukraine, never mind uh, Brazil in three uh, and a half years' time. If England go with some geriatric from uh, Liverpool uh, playing off the front <laughs> rather than Wilshire. <laughs> you know what, <laughs> they'll hey, love that. Okay, so <laughs> I, I was going to ask you guys about Andy Carroll, but I imagine more like you know anti-Liverpool negativity coming from Paddy. So I'm going to move ahead now and ask you about uh, Gary Cahill because I am absolutely floored by something that happened in the transfer window um, when uh, um, Owen Coyle and, and, and his friend Garside came out and, you know, they, they mocked Wenger for making a derisory offer. And he's like, oh, well, you know, Kale's going to leave on our terms and you better blah, blah, blah. Well, Matt, I, I, I read your piece. Kale could well leave for nothing. And last time I checked, nothing is less than however much money Wenger offered for um, Gary Cahill, right? Is that going to happen? Is he really going to walk on a free? Yeah, it's less than less than derisory, as Gartside put it, and I think there's been a bit of a misreading of uh, of the situation UK had last week. Everyone dressed up as a victory for Bolton. In actual fact, Bolton wanted to sell, needed to sell, but for the right price, and they pushed too hard a bargain and didn't get it. And now they're going to lose a 12 million pound player for nothing next summer. Um, they'll do well. They shouldn't get relegated this year. He'll play a role in getting them to 12th in the Premier League or whatever. Is that worth £12 million? Probably not. Uh, so in the fullness of time, I think Bolton will have been seen to have made a mistake and should have cashed in while they could. All right, um, I wasn't at the game, but uh, some of you folks were. It must be so. the only game you haven't been at for quite some while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was on holiday, actually. But yeah. um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you something I, I read about, which was... Um, you know. It, it, Stinks that we have to talk about this again, but mm. some of the some of the racist abuse uh-huh. that was directed. I, how audible was it from where you guys? I, were I wasn't aware of it till after the game. Matt, uh, I was sat next to Paddy, and again, I didn't really, I didn't hear it, but some of my colleagues in other positions did. What I did hear is England fans indulging in chants that, um, if not quite as offensive, were certainly of a racial bent, so I don't think it behoves Englishmen to uh, well, get on the moral high hold yeah. Sorry, well, well, too badly. Can, 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 you, can you tell us what, what, what kind of stuff? Well, I, I, well, stuff about gypsies and caravans. It shouldn't take too much imagination to uh, put right. yourself in the uh, in the fan, in the seats of England fans on a, on a Friday night. Yeah. Um, 
and you know it, there wasn't it's not on the same degree as, as monkey chanting but it's, it's certainly unpleasant and doesn't uh, doesn't have any place in football. Um, it's interesting to see now because it is a bit of a. I mean, this is obviously a, a discussion for for yeah. another day. Yeah. But it seems to me that um, we'll move it on from here. So you can accuse me of having the last word on this. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that the levels of what we tolerate seem to vary. You know, the, the monkey chants are. You think we all agree are awful. The the gypsy stuff is bad, but not quite on the same level, perhaps, and. But then, you know, most grounds, it's it's okay to go and, you know, joke about, you know, the scousers looking in the dustbin for something to eat and, and whatever, you know. So, it, I don't know. It just seems to me I that, think, like, yeah, I we kind of need to figure this one out sooner rather than later. I think that the, the thing about the English, as with all countries that uh, pride themselves on their sense of humor, they can give it, but they can't take it. Let's move on to, uh, to Wales. Uh, Matt, uh, what do you expect from this? Is this pretty much open and shut? And then we, we hear also about um, a more attacking England. Is this something Capello told you guys, and so you guys all go and write this, that he's going to do that? Or is there any reason to believe that it'll be a more um, attacking England side against Wales? I think he's conscious of the fact that in previous home games, they've struggled to break down opponents who've been um, pretty dogged and set up to defend Montenegro. Last October was a case in point. Nil-nil. The last game, Switzerland, obviously they scored twice, but defended very badly and went two goals down. Capello certainly expects Wales to defend very deep, particularly without Craig Bellamy, and has told his players, particularly his wide players, to try and get behind them as early as possible, score the early goal. England believe if they score, score Wales will fold, and uh, I tend to agree with them. I think the game, if, if Capello should... Get his team to play the whole game in Wales half, and what I mean, and how he does that is by when they fail to break teams down at Wembley, it's because the back force they think, oh, we're going to play round the back, and mm. then the two holding midfield players go and get it. So sometimes England have six players before they come across the first player for the opposition. Mm. Now. What good teams do and what Spain would do, they say, OK, we're going to get the ball into the front players early and we're going to win it back when we lose it high yeah. up the field. Yeah. And if England want to score goals and, and make the game almost, you know, a, one, a totally one-sided game and break Wales down, play the game at a high intensity and play it all in Wales half. Because Wales Barcelona, yeah. best team in, I've ever seen at, 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 at winning tackles on the edge of the opposing opponent's but when, but box, the, not but, the edge but, of their but box. England's back four should be playing round the back and yep. playing it but on the halfway line, exactly. and the two midfield players, Barry and Park, if it's those two players, should be another 15, 20 think, yards ahead I, of them. I mean, Matt will, Matt will uh, be able to confirm or deny this, but I think, to be fair to Capello, he screams at mm. the, he, he's on at them to do this mm. all the time. Is that true, Matt? Yeah, he certainly wants them to press further up the pitch than they, mm. than they do, and to play at a higher tempo. The problem comes when the ball gets back to the centre-backs and they, they, try, they tend to linger too long in possession. Um... I think without Rio Ferdinand in their team, actually, there'll be more urgency because he is one that likes to um, have the ball at his feet and pick out the long ball. So England should probably press further forward tomorrow. He's another one who should um, be uh, <laughs> honourably retired. Taking them all off. <laughs> he really is. I mean, the, 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 there's a danger, you know, that that, that uh, if you let these... And it's, I've noticed it's an English thing. I, I, even up to less than a year ago, the, the press were asking Capello why couldn't he bring back Michael Owen mm-hmm. you know I no, mean it's these, many these still to- do actually. these totem poles are sort of revered long past 
uh, when they should be celebrated ex-internationals, mm-hmm. they still think they should be in the team. It's, it's not just England, though. A lot of other countries, you, you see players that have been playing for 20 years are yeah, still in the yeah, national teams. Yeah, it seems yeah. harder to get out the national team than it is to get in it. Yeah. I'm thinking of Mark Van Bommel, OK? He led, <laughs> he led Holland to World Cup final. Anyway, let's move on to our debate this week. And we're going to talk... Um, we're going to talk transfers in the transfer window. We're going to take a, a, a quick look at some of these teams. But I just, I had asked you all to give me your best and worst signing. I will start with Stuart. Well, I'm going to go with Juan Mata as the best uh, transfer because I think he's going to give Chelsea something different. You know, when you look at the front three they've had for quite some while, with Drogba, I mean, Torres has come in, of course, but Drogba, and you, you look at the wide players that are, are all free-flowing players, but they like to run with the ball, they're powerful. Juan Mata is the player that's going to come in and just add that bit of creativity, creativity and fluidity, imagination around the box, and I think he's the, the missing link, and I think he's doing a really good job for Chelsea. So I think he's the signing of the season. He, he's not a slower, more prolific version of Maluda. No, I think he's a better player, much better player. Maluda has stopped working at his game. I, I think Maluda was an excellent player two years ago. One of the problems Chelsea had last year is they stopped working hard at their game. And the main culprit when I went to see them play was Florin Maluda. He didn't work to press the ball. When he had, when uh, other people had the ball, he didn't make runs away from the ball. He came short for the ball. He stopped working at his game. And I think Juan Mata will be a, a, an excellent uh, addition to their team. Your worst signing? My worst signing? Well, I've, I'll put two down because I'm a person that believes that no matter how much uh, talent somebody's got, if they're going to upset the manager and you're always having to manage, worry about what they're going to do and you're always going to worry about their temperament, they're you not worth You can't pick Mario Balotelli again. No, that I, was last summer, Stuart. Well, this, similar, similar players. Joey Barton and Craig Bellamy. I wouldn't have them anywhere near my football clubs. Ooh, interesting. Interesting because I, I, I mean, I was a lot of people have called Bellamy, you know, ooh, what a master stroke, you know, what a great player. Um, but you're not a fan of either based on temperament. No, but based on temperament. As, as a coach and a manager, when you go and take your training sessions, when you want to manage your team, you want to know what the players' characters are going to be like. You don't know what you're going to get with Joe, but you know at some point he's going to have a flare-up. He's going to abuse the manager. He's going to abuse one or two of the other players. He's going to abuse the opposition, and then you're going to have to deal with that. And all the publicity will be on Joey Barton and how you manage it rather than working with the team. And I can't see it's worth the risk. Paddy? I think Hargreaves could turn out to be the best. I suspect that he may play... Not in the uh, Champions League, he won't. Why it's such a good signing is that it's is is because of the structure of the deal. I've long believed that uh, footballers' contracts should be incentivised, um, and I think that, that I think that what they tend to do. I mean, people forget uh, Paul Ince when he he signed for Manchester United on a similar contract to the one that uh, Hargreaves has signed at City. And he went on to play, uh, miraculously improve his fitness record, which at West Ham had been poor, um, and, uh, and, and became a sort of mini-legend at, Ma- at Manchester United. Um, so I would, uh, I would say that, that, that Hargreaves could be, could be one of the best, um, best signings. The worst uh, piece of business, if I may just be allowed a little bit of poetic license, was letting Tavess stay at Manchester City. I think that mm. is going to hamper Manchester City. It's going to be a distraction to them, as it always is, um, throughout, throughout the season, or at least until the winter, when maybe they can get rid of him. Um, good player though he is. If he's not happy, then that unhappiness spreads. And I, I would say that uh, I'm. I, I would put Tevez alongside Barton and um, Bellamy, Bellamy uh, and concur very much with Stuart's 
strategy on this. How I think you need a happy spot. On, on, on Tevez, I mean, what value would you give to it in the sense that um, I believe he's got three years left um, on, on his contract yes. at this stage. Yes. He makes he makes a lot of money. I mean, would you have gone to Tevez and said, hey, Car- Carlitos, let's rip up this uh, uh, contract. Mm. You become a free agent. And, you know, here's 20 million in cash for your troubles and to share some of it with Kia, will you? And you can go off and sign with whoever you want. Would you no, well, to that unfortunately, point? you can't do that because it's. So, uh, how it, are you going to get rid I of I would, it? if there was no such thing as financial play, fair play, I definitely would do that. This is the problem that City have got, and it will return to haunt them in three years' time. In the financial, the, the people who run financial fair play aren't idiots. You can't, pay, if you pay someone to go now, that money is counted as footballing expenditure, as, well, indi- benefit, as, as it should be. But you have the benefit of not having him there, which you uh, said could Yeah, but that's the, that's the problem. The guy's market value is probably 30 to 35 million. Um, I, 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 I gather that they were offered. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That amount. And they should have bitten uh, the two clubs, hands off. Matt, your best signing. I think the best signing at the window will probably be proved to be Aguero, but that was months ago and he was cost thirty eight million, so I'll try and show a little bit more imagination than that. And I think snuck in the eleventh hour, but a really good signing is Raul Morales. He was probably Liverpool's best player last season along with maybe Lucas. I can't believe they let him go for £12 million. Pounds. Only explanation I've been given is that Dag Leash thought he wasn't a very good trainer, maybe thought he was a little bit soft, didn't put the tackles in on the training ground. But where it matters in games, he's been excellent. I was Arsenal a few weeks ago when he came on with Suarez and won them a game. They weren't going to win. Absolutely. Um, he uses the ball very, very well. He works hard. He scored a winning goal at Stamford Bridge last year for Liverpool. He's always played well, and I've seen him. I think, actually, in some ways, he's a better signing than Modric would have been because he arrives with no pressure, no real expectation. He's not seen as the saviour as Modric would have been, and he can play in several positions. He can play either flank or he can play off, off a front man. He can even play sort of deeper holy midfield role. So I think he's he could be a really good buy for Chelsea. This is me applauding Matt Hughes because I concur 
And that's, that's pretty so, rare, so, Gavin, so, so, I must be wrong. So <laughs> between us, Matt, we've, we've, Chelsea have done some good business. Juan Mata and Milares. <laughs> well, we don't all agree with you on Mata. No, but, no. But he is a good, good sign. Can I go right back place. to what Paddy said about um, Owen Hargreaves? Because sure. when... Uh, I, I was out for two years when I was playing at West Ham and then uh, I, I had a morales over injuries with West Ham and they, I had eight uh, Premier League clubs say to me they'd like me to come uh, and play for them first of all on loan and see how my injuries were now I had a choice between probably the club that were in fourth place or the club that were in 17th at the time I chose the club that were about 15th which was Coventry City because I knew I would play every week if I was fit mm. and that's the reason I went there Owen Hargreaves needs games mm. and he won't play every week at Manchester City mm. even if he is yeah, fit fair point. and that's the that's the problem with Owen Hargreaves it's a good move for Man City if he is fit mm. I mean obviously you know you, you would think you'd take De Jong and Barry ahead of him but for that more defensive in the three I mean is he is, is the real well, Owen the, the, Hargreaves the, the, the real be, Owen Hargreaves is he behind was more athletic than those players yes. but he hasn't played for so long, yeah. and I know from experience that every it won't just be his knee that will be the problem. Other as he as he did when he came back from Manchester United, his hamstring goes after five yeah, minutes, yeah, and yeah. then he mentally that dra- and everybody in the crowd says, "Ah, oh, that's it. He's never going to make it again." Mm-hmm. And he's got he's got massive pressure on him. Matt, we need your worst signing. Yeah, like Stuart, I'm going to go for two, and this isn't necessarily because they're bad players, but it's more for what they represent and the players they're supposed to replace. So I'll go for Arteta and Ben Ayoun. I think Arteta is a talented player, but he's 29 years old. When did Wenger ever sign a 29-year-old? Um, he's had knee problems, hamstring problems, and it says a great deal that Everton fans aren't too sorry to lose him because they think he's not contributed a great deal for two years. Ben Ayoun hasn't played for a whole season, and I just don't see how those two really add a great deal to Arsenal's first team. They're maybe useful squad players, but... Um, they don't go anywhere. They're not anywhere near good enough replacing Fabregas or Nasri. As a result, Arsenal are going to oh, absolutely. Look at when they signed. They signed at ten fifty and ten fifty-five on the uh, transfer deadline day. Wenger has known Fabregas was going to leave probably for a year. He's known Nasri was going to leave for six months. It beggars belief that they haven't got in there earlier, spent some real money, and signed top top class replacements with potential to stay at Arsenal for five, ten years as, as Wenger has always done in the past. Wenger doesn't do short-term, or he never did. These two are classic short-term signings, okay, and I don't think they'll be that effective in, in that either. Alright, a couple things here. I mean, one, I, I, I would dispute and I imagine Wenger might dispute the fact that he knew Nasri was leaving. Um, I mean, my understanding is he tried to get him, I mean, his idea was that Nasri would replace Sesk. Man City offered him a hundred and 85,000 a week in June. So Wenger thought he could persuade him, but with respect to us, I think that's fairly naive. Once a player is offered to treble or double, double his salary, there's no no way back for him. And I think he over overestimated his uh, negotiating skills. All right, but he got it wrong, but there was a plan there and, and, and a plan that was, you know, that, that made sense to some degree. The other thing which, which I find a little bit, you know, I, I, and I mean, it's not you so much, Matt, as, as some of the stuff I hear is I hear people on the one hand saying he needs to buy proven players, enough of these young players, yeah. blah, 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 spend mm. money, spend money, blah, 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 get your business done early. On the other hand, you know, Arteta's a guy who I, I agree with you. I am a bit concerned about his injuries, but if you are going to replace a guy like, like, like Cesc, you're going to try to do it. 
you know, Arteta is a guy who came through the exact same youth ranks that Cesc Fabregas And Arteta's from. always played well against Arsenal. They, they, he's had a good reputation. That's he, what, he, he's yeah. always done well against Arsenal. But he's, he's, he's proven in, in the Premier League when, when fit. I mean, I don't think there's much of an argument there that, you know, he is close to that calibre of he's player. He's been among the best midfield players in the Premier League when he plays uh, yeah. for six years. I look at his other signings and, yeah, they, it was difficult. It was difficult at the end. But, I mean, um, I think Parchu Young is a fantastic signing. He's not necessarily going to going to start and whatever, but if you look at the downside, you look at how much they spent for him and you look at the quality of the player and you, you know, you look at his age profile and everything and you know, you compare it to, to some other, you know, Jordan Henderson or something who cost what 10 times as much and you say, "Hey, you know, this kind of makes sense." Um Mertesacker is it another make, one. It makes sense financially, but if Liverpool finish fourth, having overspent, no one will care. That's, that's the bottom line. And I think Wenger has to, while it's admirable, he has to adapt to the world he's in, and that is big spending Premier League, and you, you need you need to invest, otherwise you're going to struggle. Arsenal's yeah. results have deteriorated every year for the last five years, and I, I sadly see it continuing. Matt, what I would, what I would say about Arsenal, yeah, if you yeah. look at their... T- everybody's been moaning over the last two, three years, they haven't won anything, and they needed to buy players to get up to the next level. Mm. Arsenal's players, playing staff now, is, is worse now than it has been over the last four years. Mm. They're in well, a worse shape now than they were over the last four years. Right, sorry. Um, where did Arsenal finish last year? They finished fourth, right? Yeah. And in right up until sort of February, March, they were yeah. in the running. Until the Carling Cup final, clean. it yeah. looked like all the problems um, were all over. Exactly. They'd, they'd beat Birmingham. And this was this was basically without Cesc Fabregas mm. because last yes. season Cesc only started twenty odd games. Mm. He played badly most of the time, and, right? And Nasri stepped up and was one of the best players in England. So you're backing me up, Paddy. Right. Well, in in what sense? When the fact that Stewart and Matt are being mean and, and t- towards Arsenal. And, and no, but I think what Stewart's saying is that because no. Sam, Sami Nasri and Cesc Fabregas have gone, they were such. And I think Gael Clichy is a better player than Andre Santos. I honestly, do. Well, I think Santos, Santos is a different one. I want to bring Matt. I, want, I, I know you've seen this guy probably as much as I have. Now, this is what I don't get about Santos is he's. And I'm in the minority here. People describe him as, oh, classic Brazilian wing back, doesn't defend, blah, 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 goes forward all the time. Um, I agree that he certainly played badly every time, just about he's played for Brazil. And he's also, uh, and also at Fenerbahce, you know, people expected him to be Roberto Carlos Mark II and, and frankly wasn't. And he, uh, he partied a little too much. He scored some great goals, but had some defensive lapses. But what people I think aren't considering is that he played in midfield most of the season in, in Turkey. And then when he went and played with Brazil, he went and had, had to adapt to play the left back. And I think that's very difficult for some players for some players to do. Um, he may not be the sharpest tool in the box, mm. and he may not be the most professional of professionals, if I can say that. But he's, he's quick. He's got the one-on-one down. If Wenger can reach him, you have yourself you know, one heck of a left back. If that's where you want to use it, the trouble is that Arsene Wenger over the. I don't. I think he's a. He's obviously been an excellent manager. I don't think he's a coach because I saw a Bue have all the attributes needed to be a good right back. I saw Armand Traore have all the uh, attributes needed to be a good left back, oh, except for fitness, because that he, guy's always hurt. Yeah, but the one thing that they didn't have was tactical awareness. Yeah. And over four years, their tactical awareness hasn't got any better. That's yeah. what I'm talking about, Theo. Walcott. As as His saw, tactical awareness as as has got no better a, over the last four a, years. A, a, uh, yeah, and as soon as you saw a Bue. 
he looked dynamic, he looked terrific, mm. prospect, but you didn't know, and even Wenger said he didn't know whether he's a right side midfield player yeah. or a right fullback. And, and, and they obviously didn't do enough work with him yep. because he, the same mistakes happened. Last yep. week, Armand Traore plays against um, uh, Manchester United. He gets beaten on two diagonal passes. He's, when he made his de- debut, or, uh, debut season and he came in in the Carling Cup yep. and he played against Chelsea in the Carling Cup final, he was brilliant. Yep. Except for two diagonals beat him Look at Gibbs. and Chelsea get Look two goals. Gibbs, he's gone back. Mm. He's gone back in 18 Denilson's months. Danielson's gone back. Having thought about it over the past few days, there just seemed to be a pattern of very talented players at Arsenal who don't train on and don't quite fulfil the potential and I even include the likes of Colo Torre in that, Abue, Denilson, Clichy. They're great when they're 19, when they're 24. Where are they? Well, Colo Torre has been the best centre-half Arsenal have had for quite some while and, and why Gallas stayed and Colo Torre yes. went, I'll never quite understand yes, that. Quite. We need to uh, uh, be seen as egalitarian here, so let's pick on the other team from, from North London. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at this. I mean, I, I'm looking at these numbers here in front of me. I don't know if they're right, but something like a, a 20 to 25 million pound profit in in, in the transfer window. Um, they've also shed uh, a lot of wages, at least in the short term, by sending a million people out um, on loan. They sold Peter Crouch for a tremendous amount of money. Wilson Palacios. Um, mm, good signings for Stoke. Mm. You think so? Very good, yes. Yeah, I, 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 I could, can't understand why Palacios... I disagree on Crouch, but um, but we'll, we'll deal with Stoke. Uh, but certainly uh, Palacios, uh, I'm surprised. That, uh, well, well what, you can t- what you can tell is that Stoke are now going to play some really good football, yeah. can't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> no, but, but, aside, but just as an aside for, 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 for Stoke. I mean, Stoke, we, he, he, what I don't get is the last couple of years he's been adding, you know, he's been trying to play differently. He's been trying to add Where a slightly different... Where has trying to play differently? What? Where has Tony Pulis tried to, to play well, football he's differently? Well, these are people like Mark Wilson who can Pass the ball. I had a good job. People like yeah, but then he just never plays him. Tunchai never, never played him. him. <laughs> People, Tunchai, the only area where he's he now has got creativity is in wide areas. Matt, can you just explain Tottenham Hotspur to me, please, and what they did in this transfer window, and how well, it's going to all end up? They did very good business in terms of the balance sheet. What they've done in terms of their squad is is less clear. I think Adebayor could be a good signing for the first few months, as he always is. Whether you can keep him performing every season is, is a different question. Scott Parker, I'm not convinced he's an upgrade on Palacios necessarily. Palacios had a lot of problems at Tottenham, mainly caused by the, the tragic death of his brother, and he's not the player he was. But if you could get him back to his best, he's an outstanding athlete and a real presence in midfield. I think everything for Tottenham this year depends on Luka Modric, what mood he's in, and if Harry can get the best out of him. If Harry can get him playing again can say look you'll get your move next summer in the way that Wenger did the Fabregas last year if Modric performs I think Tottenham will, will do well and will be in the mix of fourth along with Liverpool and Arsenal Everybody share um, Hughes' well, optimism Well I think here. I, would, I would add I think they look strong uh, but Huddleston gets slowly and surely get is turning into a, a really potent player uh, when is he going to play if he's got Parker ahead of him? Well, now? I mean, the, 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 you need uh, you need a, a few midfield. Not everybody's going to play every game, but mm-hmm. uh, I think I think the and, and Lennon's still there for what he's worth. Um, I think, uh, and of course, in the I hope in the second half of the season, uh, the magnificent uh, Brazilian Sandro, who, who looks an absolutely outstanding midfield player. Uh, will be back. They should be okay. They'll be. They'll challenge for a Champions League spot again. 
um, this season. And, and, and you, you know, you, you mentioned that Adebayo was a short-term buy, but it's probably Harry's last season at uh, Tottenham, so he won't mind that. All right, quick one here. I'm just going to have a quick whip around. Who has the better squad, Arsenal or Spurs? Stuart? Uh, I'd still say Arsenal have the better squad. I think Arsenal are the better team. Spurs are the better squad. Barkley? Six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> I think you guys are so, so wrong. Time now for some quick hits as our pundits go off the fence. Gary Neville writes in his autobiography that there were rumours that Liverpool gave Chelsea a, quote, helping hand to win the 09-10 title, thereby stopping United from making it 19. He says he has no idea if the rumours are true, but isn't that a bit like saying that I have no idea if Paddy Barkley steals money from the collection plate in church, (laughs) but I've heard rumours that he might. Paddy, if Gary Neville were a journalist, would he get away with saying what he did? No, of course he wouldn't. It's infantile. The thing about Gary Neville is he talks more sense and more nonsense than any footballer I've ever come across um, in all my time. Uh, it, it shouldn't have been in the book. It, uh, it is, as I say, I say, infantile. And one thing that I've learned in um, an all-too-long career uh, following football is that when you hear a rumour, disbelieve it. I've hardly ever come across any that were true. Well, there's a rumor that Matt Dickinson was his ghostwriter, so I'll take it up with him. Cristiano Ronaldo starred in Portugal's 4-0 win over Cyprus as the home fans taunted him by chanting Leo Messi's name. Ronaldo said he, quote, shut them up by notching his two goals. But, Matt, uh, why does it seem that little Leo is much more popular than the more muscular, more handsome Cristiano? Well, he's more humble, doesn't make a habit of... uh... Dives are certainly more subtle in a pretty light way, and I don't know. He's just not a he's not a preener and a prancer, is he? A preener and a prancer. I, I bet you know. But for our listeners who don't know, Hughes is one of those uh, sort of uh, hard northern uh, Yorkshireman type. So mm-hmm. clearly, he prefers Messi to Ronaldo. More bad news for Arsenal. Jack Wilshere is out for two more months. Stuart, how big a blow is this, and how will Arsene Wenger compensate? Massive blow for Arsene Wenger because Wilshere is the player at the moment that changes defence into attack. He's the player that can go past people. Arsenal play a passing game, but he's the one that can dribble past people and change the whole dynamics of the game. How will he compensate? I don't think Arsene Wenger can compensate with the players. He hasn't got anybody like Jack Wilshere who can go past people. Maybe Jose Benayoun, but he won't play him in a central role. He'll play him from a wide area. Celtic are back in the Europa League after Sion were expelled for fielding five ineligible players against them. The five were apparently signed during a transfer embargo. But, Paddy, how does it get to this point and how far will Celtic go in Europe? I don't know the details. All I know is, uh, I mean, I was talking to the UEFA people about this, uh, and, and all I know is that Sion are banged to rights, and, and the, 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 the whole drama's only gone on so long because they've um, mounted legal challenges. Um, how far will Celtic go in Europe? Just outside the city limits of Glasgow, as usual. Uh, That's a bit absolutely. harsh. They generally do pretty well in, in <laughs> the two legs. Ah, you've got to have a long memory. Um, no, it's 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 bad and it's getting worse, I'm afraid. Joey Cole was loaned out to Lille, which of course is just a short Eurostar right away. He becomes the second most high-profile England international currently playing abroad after Scott Carson. <laughs> Just kidding, after that Beckham guy. Uh, Matt, you've seen him up close for England. How will he get on? I think he'll do well. I hope he'll do well. It's a brave move for him to go to France. He really would have preferred to stay in in England and preferably London, but it didn't work out. Lille are a good football team, and I hope he'll fit in well there. Is Lille closer to London than Liverpool? It must be. It certainly is. 
But uh, the Eurostar is quite expensive. And I understand he just might be taking a small pay cut, no? Steve Malbranc has quit football to be close to his young son, who is diagnosed with cancer. Stuart, every so often we're reminded that this is, after all, a job, and some things are more important than football. Is this something that footballers are more or less likely to remember during their career? Well, first of all, I've got to, you've got to feel very sorry for Steve Malbronk and, and his son, and it's a terrible situation. Uh, but the good thing in, in, in footballers' favour, I mean, he's now getting on in, in his, uh, his years. He'll have enough money to retire and not have to worry about work and look after his son. Had it happened when he was 22, that wouldn't have been the case. So I think, I think that's the, the key issue. What age are you when something like this happens? But players have always got to look at what's more important, that, that their career or sometimes their family. And uh, on this occasion, Malbronk has done the right thing. I think I speak for all of us when I say our, our thoughts are with uh, the Malbranc family. Absolutely. I certainly would uh, echo that. Gab, anyway, back to mundane old football. Italy were lucky to beat the Pharaohs 1-0. Will Mario Balotelli lead them to a more convincing win on Tuesday against Slovenia? Lucky, just because Cassano was out offside when he, when he scored and the <laughs> Pharaohs hit the woodwork twice? Well, whatever are you talking about? Um, no, that was one of those sort of uh, maximum result, minimum effort, and minimum performance situations. But to answer your question, no, Balotelli will not be leading them out because Balotelli is in trouble again. Uh, it seems that, uh, A, he took his iPad to the football match, which people didn't really uh, appreciate. But also, um, when Prandelli asked him to warm up, to come on the second half against the Pharaohs, he apparently did it listlessly, and uh, Prandelli wasn't happy about that. And Prandelli's asked him for a one-to-one meeting, where presumably he will give him a, a rollicking. Um, it's This is crunch time for, for Mario, because Prandelli has been his number one cheerleader. And uh, if if things don't work out with Italy either, then probably won't be getting too much playing time. Thanks for joining us. Now we're going to be back next week with another episode of The Game. In the meantime, of course, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, also our web chats. Mine is on Tuesdays. Patty's is on Monday. Ollie's is during the week as well. We got Graham Spears. It's a great way to get in touch with uh, us, The Times football writers. Also, don't forget, we're all on Twitter as well. Patty, Ollie, myself, Tom Dart, the uh, whole crew, except for Matt Hughes, who I think is a bit of a Luddite. But we're going to be back next Monday with some of the best of the weekend's action. And thanks so much for your time. Catch you next week. Till then, bye-bye. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.